There's a spider somewhere. Yep. Sure. Um, there is because I saw it this morning when I, I moved a you. pair of shoes and it ran around and I don't know where it went. And so it's perfect for spook retorts. <laughs> <laughs> there is definitely a spider friend within like two feet of me. <laughs> <laughs> everybody and welcome to Spook Retorts. I am your host Daniela Stein. And I'm Count Samula. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a podcast where one of us explores a strange piece of media, recaps it, retells it to the other person who has no experience or knowledge of it. (laughs) You know that, Sam. I don't know why you're reacting to it. Okay, Danielle, trying to do a little theater here. I'm sorry. And we are here today to do our third episode of our Halloween horror-themed extravaganza. And today, I have the pleasure of sharing with you, Sam, the most recent... I don't know if it's the most recent. That's a lie. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing with you, (laughs) Sam, a wonderful rendition of Stephen King's novella, In the Tall Grass. Ooh, Going to yeah. the big boys of horror. It is. It's actually a joint effort between Stephen King and Joe Hill. It's a 2012 novella, and it was turned... I don't know who Joe Hill is. I don't know who Joe Hill is either. Well, they certainly got a boost from Stephen King. I'm wondering... Hang on. I heard something, but let me see if it's true before I say it. Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Oh! So it's a whole daddy-son bonding exercise in uh-huh. horror. Yeah, and I have no idea if it stays true to the novella. I have not read it. I have read some Stephen King, but not that specific one. But the movie is on Netflix, at least as of the airing of this, if anybody wants to watch it. Nice plug. Yeah. The question is, Danielle, should they watch it? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I really enjoyed the first <laughs> half of this movie. Um, the second half gets a little wild, and I still enjoyed it, but it does okay. get, it does get weird. <laughs> that's what we do here, so that's good. Yeah, so let me share with you the summary, and we'll start there, and then we'll, we'll get our, <laughs> our podcast on. Hang on yes, I suppose what we've been doing up until this point. Okay, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the, the meat of the podcast. Yes, the, the real meaty goodness of this podcast. Everything up to that point is an aperitif. All right, so I have a summary here. After hearing a boy's cry for help, a pregnant woman and her brother wade into a vast field of grass, only to discover there may be no way out. So it's being lost in a corn maze, the movie. It is, and I I actually enjoy that it doesn't say tall grass, because then it just kind of sounds like a field of regular grass. (laughs) Which would be a pretty funny movie. (laughs) Oh my gosh, all this grass, it just goes on forever. (laughs) Where are you? I can't find you. (laughs) I'm on the grass. It's all grass. (laughs) That's kind of the whole movie. It's up to my ankles. (laughs) The whole first half of the movie is definitely them just wandering around shouting to each other. (laughs) I, oh boy. I have no idea how or why that would be interesting, Danielle. So you got quite (laughs) the uh, job ahead of you if you're going to tell me how people wandering around a field lost is going to be spooky. Well, it may not be, but let's get there. You can be the judge of it at the end. Yes, I'll judge the thing I haven't watched. <laughs> well, see if the retelling is spooky or not. <laughs> okay. All right. So we open up 
with uh, there's a lot of aerial shots of grass in this movie as you might oh, imagine sure. yeah yeah i was gonna say my first guess helicopters with grass all the way yeah. down and they're definitely the best part of the movie they're very effective it's they're kind of cool i mean i actually visually kind of enjoyed this movie as i say about a lot of our movies whether or not i like the movie visually they're usually entertaining you're pretty easy to entertain visually it sounds like and we could look at like a nice movie of paint drying and be like, oh, it was very visually very interesting. Yeah, everybody, my bar is very low for movies. Sam's is so much <laughs> higher than mine. He's just well, so much better. Not in the that movie much higher, but yours is just so <laughs> low. It'd be impossible not to be quite a bit higher. Anyway, <laughs> so it opened with an aerial shot. There's creepy wind on a grass field. Our classic horror movie, creepy wind. Oh no, it's the happening. That's even scarier than this movie because it sucks. <laughs> and it starts with this kind of, it's, I actually kind of know the song, but not really, but I think it's a, sort of a 60s slow standard kind of Americana music. And there's a car driving through the middle of nowhere. I believe I read somewhere that it's Kansas and they do reference Topeka at one point. So I'm assuming that's true. But it's okay. definitely just, it's like those car trips where you just drive and drive and drive and all there is is cornfields and fields of grass and fields of wheat. How many and- of Stephen King's books opened with cars driving like isn't that the opening to Christine? The Shining? The Shining? Yeah. Misery? I don't actually don't know how Misery opens. I don't quite remember. <laughs> but there Just is some driving like in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, like what's scarier than driving in the middle of nowhere, Sam? In the Midwest? Oh, so many things because people <laughs> live there and do it all the time. <laughs> well, there's like nobody on this long stretch of road. And that's the best time to drive. You just open her up and let it happen. Don't have to worry about anyone else. That's basically what they're doing. And there's a guy in the car. He's eating a burger. And it's like one of those shots that they do in movies where it's kind of a gross. You're like kind of grossed out watching him eat. Mm -hmm. And there's a pregnant woman sitting next to him in the car in the passenger seat. And she's watching him. Her name's Becky. She's our one of our main characters. One of the two people we've actually met so far. Got it. Yes. And she says she's getting nauseous. Totally fair, because I kind of was watching him eat that burger. And <laughs> they pull over so she can throw up. And so they're she's now, also pregnant, so who she's knows? She's also pregnant, right? And she does talk about, like, shouldn't this be over by now? It's like six, she's pregnant, pregnant, like six months pregnant. And so they're between, a, whoa, like, an She's six months pregnant. Like, I, this should be over by now. No, pregnancy takes nine months, lady. No, not pregnant. Like, the pregnancy's over. Like, the oh. nausea of the pregnancy is that supposed <laughs> like, to be in the first trimester. Does she not know but... how long babies work? <laughs> no, she's talking about the vomiting aspect of pregnancy. Oh, well, that I can't help with. Yeah. So they're between a abandoned church and a tall grass field, as you might oh. imagine. Okay, <laughs> the movie's movie over. We found it. <laughs> Found the grass field. That's the end of the movie. Yep. They have to get, get into it, whacker. Sam. That's, that's oh, the title. Got it. Right. Of course. I'm sorry. So it'll be over in about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> she's asking the person that's with her. She's wondering if they should go back. And the guy's like, come on. We're halfway to San Diego. Let's keep going. And she's Halfway from she, where to San Diego? Um, I, Later in the movie, it's implied that they're pretty much across the entire country. So they don't ever okay. say where they're from originally. Because if they're in think. Topeka and they're like coming from Kansas, they're not even close to halfway to. No, they're halfway to San Diego. And that implies that they come from the East Coast somewhere. Fair enough. So she's worried that her parents are going to think she's an idiot. He, she doesn't. Nobody's talking about like what specifically she is reflecting on. But it's you get the sense that it's about the pregnancy. Oh. And he says that she shouldn't take their parents' feelings into consideration or his. It should be her decision. And you kind of learn in that conversation that it's her brother, and her brother's name is Cal. Cal. 
Yeah, like Calvin, but short. Got it. I assume his name's Calvin. I'm not sure they ever say Calvin, but that's usually where Calvin Maybe he's just a devout Calvinist. You don't know. You might be. Yeah. Uh, She smiles, you know, she kind of goes along with it. And she's like, well, I have another 1,500 miles to decide. And he agrees, suggesting that they get back on the road. But she stops him, like, as he's getting ready to start the car back up, because she hears a kid yelling from the the tall grass field. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So she turns to the field, and you hear a boy yelling that he's lost, and he can't get back to the road, and he's calling out to them for help. And she steps out of the car, and a book falls onto the ground. And he's like, I'll pull the car around, you know, let's, I guess we'll help the kid out of the field. And so he pulls it into the church parking lot, which has several other cars in the parking lot. All abandoned, I'd wager. I'm not going to tell you yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she yells out at the kid asking if he can hear her and he says yes and they're kind of conversing and then she hears kind of a low level a woman talking to the child and the, the woman's like stop it you know stop talking to her and she's like that's super weird what's going on in the field maybe don't wander into this strange <laughs> tall grass with the strange people talking to each other right i'll give this movie some credit like a lot of stuff happens in this movie that's legitimate like you'd be like okay that's yeah you should feel weird about that situation and they do feel weird about that situation but they do a lot of stupid things because it's a horror movie of course so she kind of like becky is her name she feels kind of like unsure what's going on she's talking to cal she's like there's some weird woman in there with them but the kid's still yelling for help and he sounds pretty close to them and they try to talk him out to the road and he's like i can't see the road i can't i can't make it to you guys and so cal is like i'll save him you know kind of trying to be heroic and rushes into the field and she very slowly follows him because she's not feeling feeling it (laughs) oh man I know it's just grass, but also maybe don't. Yeah. And think about corn mazes. Like when you do go into a corn maze, it is kind of freaky because you can't yeah. see anything. And those have actual pathways that you're following. And these people are just pushing through rows of grass. When was this movie made? Um, Recently. It's a kind of a recent movie. Does it take place modern times or does it like take place? No, nope, modern times. Just... Yeah. So all they need to do is say, hey, can we get someone with a drone over here to find that kid? Yeah. And so to her credit, Becky pulls out her cell phone and she calls emergency services and she's on the phone with them. The connection's really bad as she wanders like into the field and she loses connection with them. And she starts to get really uneasy. What about GPS? I think her phone is just kind of like stops working at that point. They never say anything about GPS, but they do consistently look at their phones and they don't have signals. Interesting. Well, yeah. Well, you'll get there. You'll see why. Oh, no, it's aliens. Oh, no. Yes, that's the whole plot of the movie, aliens. So as she's on the phone, she's kind of like not paying attention because she's trying to find a cow and she's pregnant and he wanders ahead of her and they separate, of course. Uh, of course. So they can hear each other, but they can't find each other. And Tobin keeps calling for help, but his voice keeps moving through the field. Who's Tobin? Tobin is the name of the little boy. Sorry, oh. earlier when the mother was talking, she calls his name. So they learn his name is Tobin. Got it. And so Becky is like, Okay, like, let's stop looking for Tobin. Let's get back together, get back to the road, and we'll call 911. We'll figure it out, which is smart. Yeah, she's the smart one. Calvin should listen to her. Exactly. So Becky keeps talking and Cal's trying to make his way to her because he can hear her. But somehow he overshoots her. He's just like, suddenly she's way behind him. And she's like, he's like, how did I do that? And then... He hears her voice off to the other side. So she's like, she was on the right. Now she's suddenly on the left or whatever. They're saying like two different things kind of at similar times. Like they seem out of sync with each other. And he's starting, he's like, okay, yeah, we really need to get out of this field. This is, something's not Uh-oh, right. Oh, time isn't synced up in the field. <laughs> oh, no. Time shenanigans. Oh, man. Those are always the best and always make sense in movies. <laughs> yes. And this one's particularly questionable. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't want to give it away too soon. 
So Becky suggests jumping up in the air with their hands raised so they can see each other. And they jump up and they both kind of get a glimpse of each other and they realize they're not very far. They're maybe like 100 feet apart. And so... She's like, okay, let's jump again and we'll head towards each other. So they jump She's up. jumping a lot for a pregnant woman. He, he questions that. And she's like, I'm just pregnant. It's fine. I can jump. Like, it's just a okay. few feet in the air. And so they jump up a second time. And this time he's like, Cal and her are like three or 400 feet apart, like way farther apart. And it surprises Becky and she stumbles and she's like grasping at her stomach. Uh-oh. I know. Drama ensues. Is she going to go through a speed pregnancy? Suddenly going to give birth in the middle of this field? I mean, most pregnant people suddenly give birth in the middle of a field in a horror movie. <laughs> do do they, Danielle? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like any time a horror movie introduces a pregnant character, like pregnant, pregnant, they end up giving birth. If they're like close enough to term, they'll give birth at some point in the. Is in being the movie. six months pregnant close enough to term? Because it doesn't no, like, seem like it's it. Totally a preemie baby. Like I may or may not survive giving birth, but you. Like, they don't make characters pregnant unless it plays into it. <laughs> or unless they're giving birth to the Antichrist or something. Right, which may be the case in this. You don't know. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Gross. <laughs> so Becky falls as she lands and Cal panics and he's like running towards her through the field trying to find her. And he slips, like hardcore slips, and his face slams into the mud and it is like muddy, muddy. Uh. Yeah, it's really gross. And then they do this. It's very gross. Warning, everybody. <laughs> he like looks through the field as he's laying there and he like lifts his face up and he sees some flies and he looks over and there's a dead dog and he sees a name tag on it that reads Freddy. Freddy the dead dog? Freddy no. the dead dog. I know. Horror movie. If it was Torvin or whatever, that'd be better. Tobin? What's <laughs> yeah, the name of that Tobin kid? The Torvin? Talking, it's Tobin and it's Tobin the talking dog. That's actually the whole plot of this movie, Sam, is oh. that... <laughs> It's actually a dog. <laughs> okay. Here's my prediction, Danielle. Okay. This really, field, but go for it. I mean, I got to start somewhere. I can only get better from here. So <laughs> this field is a time anomaly that provides access to the distant future where dogs have learned to talk. And this dog has been calling for people to come in there to play with him. And his owner was the lady saying, don't bother those people, Torben, Tobin. Tobin. <laughs> Whatever. What a weird name. Tobin is a weird name. I'm putting it out there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. If your name's Tobin, your- <laughs> I apologize. I'm sure it's a perfectly wonderful name, but I've never heard it in a movie before. <laughs> I have heard the name Tobin before. I don't personally know any Tobins, though. Okay. Well. Okay. Anyway, the point is that d- dog corpse is the dog like out of time. It's like a future. Th- it doesn't matter. The dog's dead because of the dog died in the future, and this is its corpse coming back in time through the time loop. That's uncanny, Sam. How did you know? <laughs> well, you put a dead dog named Tobin in there. I gotta know. His name is Freddy, at least according to the name tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I forgot that immediately. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you're staying on track. It's not remotely important that they have a zoom in of the dog's name tag. <laughs> you didn't tell me he zoomed in on it. You just said well, he has you a, see a dog. The name with... tag. Like, you see it, so it's got to be important. Why would they show it otherwise? I don't know. Movies make all kinds of weird decisions. That's true. We were discussing that a few yeah. episodes ago how movies show you <laughs> things that don't make any sense <laughs> or aren't relevant, or how books or stories sometimes will dwell on things that don't matter. Yep, that's yes. Yeah, okay. okay, Freddy doesn't matter. Sam, you're right. <laughs> Dead dog I didn't doesn't say, matter. I didn't say he did. There's no way to know in advance. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. The sun's starting to go down. And they're very nervous because they can't find each other. And Becky's resting. She's clutching her stomach. And Cal seems to be approaching. She's like, oh, I think I hear him. And she rises. And a strange man appears out of the grass. He, like, pushes through into her little clearing. And Becky, understandably, is very concerned that there's a strange man in the grass with her. (laughs) No, duh. Is he another time-traveling dog? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
dog-human hybrid. Right. Dog-bred. <laughs> yeah, dog-bred. She tells Cal, she's like, hey, there's a guy over here. <laughs> like, please come find me. And he introduces himself as Tobin's dad. And he's like, I know the way out. I'm just looking for my kid and my wife. They're lost in here. So if you want to follow me, I will show you how to get out of this field. Oh, and, that couldn't possibly go wrong. <laughs> right. And she's like, mm, no, I'm good. Like, I think I'll stay here. And he's like, uh, I lady i completely understand you don't know me from adam and he says ross humboldt's the name real estate's the game <laughs> well if real estate's your game what do you do in the middle of a field well we'll get there but uh he's that guy <laughs> the ross humboldt's the name real estate's the game guy okay i didn't know that was a thing but i'm glad we have found the ross humboldt's the name real estate's the game guy uh he's from poughkeepsie and his wife is natalie his son is tobin and they're in the field too if she wants to get out she can totally come along and so okay. he, he's very like soothing in the manner that he's talking to her other than being like slightly weird with his real estate's the game commentary so they go out together like she follows him he's like stay close and they oh, go and she, search. she does great she does. Her initial instincts Be discarded yes that's a theme in this movie <laughs> and they go in search of cal so now it's getting like really dark out and cal is exhausted the movie kind of obviously goes between all the different characters so cal's exhausted he plops down and he's mutter he basically is like i'm never gonna find her like we're just gonna be stuck in this field forever and then behind him a child says you can find things, but it's easier once they're dead. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> great. So we can check off that is spooky child in the, the field of, of grass. Is that Tobin? Yeah. A cow rolls around. He finds a little boy and the boy is holding up a dead bird because horror movie. Sure. Because everyone just loves holding up dead things. Yeah. Well, he's proving, you know, you can find things if they're dead. <laughs> Except for the grass. Is the grass dead, Danielle? Because they found a lot of grass. No. Okay. Well, fine. Cal rightly guesses, as you did, that it is Tobin. Yay! So he's not yeah. a dog. I was so close to being I right. Know. Well, I mean, if we're having dog-human hybrids, he may well still be a dog. <laughs> okay. Maybe he's a human that turns back into his dog form when he dies. So, so like a were-dog? Yes. This movie has weird dogs. That would actually explain a couple of sound effects they chose to use, which I'll get into later. <laughs> <laughs> a weird dog, by the way, is a domesticated werewolf. A what is? A weird dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just we'll put that there so we're all clear on what the difference between a weird dog and a werewolf, because you'd think they'd be the same thing. But not. No. One likes to play fetch, I guess. <laughs> With bones? <laughs> With anything. I mean, dogs love fetch. You throw anything, they'll go chasing after it. It's like slightly dead. Slightly dead weird dog. Ew, what? <laughs> I don't know. Weird dogs, are they like spooky? They're like werewolves, Danielle, but they're but domesticated. They're are they, are there still a human component to weird dogs or is it? That's what the were part is. Right. That's the human part or is it just part yeah. werewolf, part dog? No. The were in werewolf means human. It's human wolf thing. Right. Like man wolf. So were dog is man dog. Okay. I was just clarifying as to like where we were going with the... <laughs> it's half wolf, thing. half dog. It's all dog. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just like a dog. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> what? Exist. Domesticated werewolf. <laughs> but I'm half like werewolf, half dog. I wasn't sure if it was also had a human no, component. No. What doesn't make any sense? <laughs> Okay, I was just clarifying terminology. Sometimes things follow the what they're named, and sometimes they don't. Okay. 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 I just <laughs> I don't understand. Already, there's a tenuous distinction between a werewolf and a were dog, and that one is domesticated and one is not. Okay. But there is literally no difference between a dog wolf and a werewolf that also turns into a dog. You okay. know. All right, everybody, is, are you clear on that? Any questions? No. At Sam. <laughs> All right here, I got a better idea. 
Everyone out there, draw for Danielle and send her photos or drawings or whatever you got of a dog version of a werewolf. <laughs> so it's part dog, part wolf. Isn't that just a dog? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Danielle. That's what I've been saying this whole time and why it has to be a man dog and man a man dog. wolf. Okay. And the man wolf and the man dog. The man, uh, the man dog's domesticated, Danielle. That's all I'm trying to get. It was just a joke about the fact that the were dog is domesticated. The only difference between a werewolf and a were dog is domestication. Okay, got it. Moving on. That's all it was. Oh my gosh. Why do we spend 10 minutes talking about <laughs> dog do wolves? Okay. So, creepy horror movie child. This is non weird dogs. <laughs> Maybe a weird dog. Weird dog, human dog. Weird dog does mean human dog, Danielle. <laughs> I, I, I the changed is like it to German. human dog. Just human dog. Okay. Maybe That's like a, a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So the the child could or could not be a dog. That's what we're getting at, people. So Cal rightly guesses that it's Tobin. <laughs> Tobin the weird dog, got it. And possibly a human dog. And Tobin explains that the field doesn't move dead things around. They stay still. The field moves live things around. Got Apparently. it. Apparently. Yeah, that's what it's suggested. He says it in the creepiest way humanly possible. Of course he does. So I have a second guess already, Danielle. Yes, go for it. The field itself is like a Venus flytrap, trapping yes. things so they'll die and decompose and feed the plant. That's closer. Closer than your previous guess. That means literally nothing, since my previous guess was nonsense. Nobody ever says the phrase Vita's flytrap, but, you know, it's a, not an inaccurate description. I'm saying the carnivorous plants that trap things in them so they will die and feed the plants. Yeah, that's closer. I'm not saying it's correct, but it is a closer to the actual plot of this movie. Oh, man, I'm going to nail this by the time you're done with the story. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> so... <laughs> It it smiles wildly out of control soon. So Cal asks if Tobin got him into the field on purpose, like if he was calling them to come in. He's trapped them there. And Tobin's like, no, we heard a man calling or I heard a man calling for help. And I came into the field and that's that's how it works. That's how the field works. And then he's like, Becky's going to die soon. And Cal's like, excuse me? <laughs> like, <laughs> And asks Tobin how he knows. Tobin explains that the rock taught him how to listen to the tall grass, and the grass knows everything. Okay, man, this kid is really making a case for Cal to listen to him. Yeah, and so Cal's like, okay. And you can tell he's going, okay, crazy child. (laughs) So you must (laughs) know where Becky is, right? If the grass tells you everything, like, where's Becky? And Tobin's like, suddenly is like, yeah, I can take you to her. Let's go. And Cal runs behind him. All of them, now they're both following these strange (laughs) zombie people. Cal's running behind Tobin. He's like extra excited. And he leads him into a clear-cut section of the field, and it has a giant rock rising out of the ground, like huge. I swear, Danielle, if this turns into another freaking crop circle thing like signs, I will be very upset. No, it does not. Okay. <laughs> Cross Good. that off your guessing list. I wasn't guessing. I was dreading. No, there are no, well, maybe they're aliens. Who knows? <laughs> there are no crop circles. Not, That's, what, there are That's not all I want to hear. No, this is the only uh, crop circle, and it has a giant rock in it. Got it. 
Tobin walks up and touches the rock, and you can see the hairs of his arm stand up. And he's like, ooh, that feels good. And he tells Cal <laughs> to touch it, and Cal kind of walks towards it. And there's a sound of chanting that's, like, pulsing in the background. And there are these hieroglyphics carved all over the rock. And this is he, safe. You can tell he's kind of, like, called to the rock. Like, he really wants to touch the rock. So as he's about to reach out and touch it, he's just, like, inches from it, he hears Becky screaming in the, in the field behind them. And Tobin apologizes. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Tobin apologizes. He's like, oh, sorry, man. It's too late. And Cal turns around and runs into the field. And Tobin yells out behind him. He's like, you'll never find her that way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. This is everything's going well so far. (laughs) Yeah. So Ross, the real estate agent, meanwhile, is chatting with Becky, and he's telling her that he remembers when Natalie was pregnant and how exciting a time it was, and she kind of looks a little forlorn, and he jumps to the wild conclusion that the dad must not be in the picture. Like, he just jumps straight to it. She doesn't say anything. I mean, if he's supernatural, he probably can get inside that old brain of hers. Sure, but also, considering how little he knows about her and that there's a man wandering around the field that she is not told is her brother, like, why would you assume yeah. the dad's out of the picture? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so she kind of stumbles as they're walking and she looks down, there's a fanny pack on the ground and the contents are spilled and she spies kind of a like a bloody piece of hair next to it and she kind of uh. eyes it and she's obviously concerned and she looks up and Ross has disappeared. He's no longer in front of her. Oh, this is going well. Yeah, so as she's looking around for him, a face comes out of the grass behind her and that's like the end of that scene. Just a face? Like, yeah, it's is just it a, a kid's fa- like, face? It's, a, it's like a body with a face and it kind of looks like a woman but not really. Like, you can't quite tell who the features belong to. It just steps out of the, the dark pinder. I actually watched this movie twice and the I don't know if I went to the bathroom or something during this scene because I did not remember it. And when I watched it the second time, it was the only jump scare in this whole movie that got me. <laughs> I like, totally okay. jumped. I was like, ah! <laughs> so you'd recommend people not go to the bathroom while watching this movie? Um... Well, I mean, last time I just missed that whole section, I guess. Okay, good. Glad we have that recommendation. No peeing. <laughs> no peeing if you want to have a jump scare in the quarter of the way through this movie. So the sun comes up and there's a young man that's driving down the same road as earlier that they were on. And he stops Oh at a, boy, another one for the field. Another one for the all the people in this movie go to the field. He stops at a gas station and he shows a picture of Becky and Cal to the attendant and asks if she's seen them. And then it just cuts ahead. There's no answer. And oh, there's, it's the father. And yeah, there's a picture of Becky. It's like stuck up in the visor of his car. So yes, you get the idea that it's the, the father of the child. And he drives by an abandoned bully alley and then the church and he screeches to a halt because he sees Becky's car parked outside with all the other cars in the church parking That's lot. That's quite a coincidence. Yes. I guess there's only one road through the continental United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and only one of those cars. Um, he's not 100% sure it's hers. It just looks like hers. So he stops and he gets outside and peers in the window and there's like half of a burger on the the seat of the of the car but it's all molded and maggoty and yeah that's what happens to burgers right and it's like the car's covered in dust and he checks the license plate and he's you know kind of like yeah this is their car and he heads inside the empty church and there's nothing in the church except for pews but there is a big black door behind the pulpit area and he goes to try and unlock it and open it but it's it's shut. Why? He get in. He's wandering the church. He's just looking for him. He's like, Becky, are you here? Like, you know, uh, okay. your, your car's out front. Like, where are you? That's fair. Yeah. So totally fair. And 
as he's kind of looking around trying to figure out what he's supposed to do, he spots that book that dropped out of the car earlier. Oh. I mentioned it fell out of the car briefly. He did. You set that whole thing up. Chekhov's book. I did. Chekhov's book. So he sees on the side of the road. It's kind of like next to the field. And so he's like, oh, well, maybe they're in the field. And so... He steps into the field, as one does. He does call out a little bit, but he does step into it. No coaxing required. No. And to give him props, he's probably the smartest character, or definitely one of the smartest characters, because he's following the sun through the field. So he's trying to keep track of the direction he's going. That makes and, sense. Yeah. Yeah, look at him go. I know. And he Putting starts- Putting those Boy Scout skills to work. <laughs> he starts taking those uh, chunks of grass and like tying them in knots as he goes along so that he can he could follow his path back out. Uh, fortunately for him, the grass is untying itself, just loosening oh, no. up. <laughs> and the sun, he like looks up, he's following the sun, and he looks up again, the sun's gone. And it's in like a completely opposite direction. And he's like, um... <laughs> yeah, you in trouble now. Yeah, the fields. Not nice to humans. Or animals, apparently. <laughs> yeah, or anything that's a lie that isn't the field. So it's dark now. He's lost, and he lies down to rest. And he's promptly jump-scared by a spooky Tobin being spooky. <laughs> Tobin, can you just, like, not? So Tobin's like, we're connected, and you don't remember that we're connected? And he's like, what in the world are you talking about? Okay, okay, new prediction. Yes. Tobin is his son, him and his and Becky's. <laughs> um... No. <laughs> okay. Well, a solid yes, though, because I actually considered that at one point. Okay. <laughs> I was. Darn. I was wondering. So he's like, "We've already met. Your name's Travis, and you're looking for Becky." And Travis is like, "Excuse me. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Do you, why? Why?" <laughs> and Travis like, "Do you know where Becky is?" And Tobin's like, "Oh, I can show you, but I really, I don't really want to." take you there and travis is like no no like i i want to see her he's like are you sure because yeah okay so they he takes off running he's like follow close behind in the creepiest way possible and travis like shoots off behind him and this is where i was talking about the sound choices there's like a howling sound a howling sure. flute sound it's kind of a turns, howling flute yeah it like howl it sounds like a like a werewolf or a wolf howl and then it turns into this like slightly odd howly flute music so and it's I was a flute like, wolf yeah, and usually music kind of cues things that are happening in the movie, and I'm like, are there wolves? Like, what's what's the story about? Flute Wolf is a rare <laughs> and beautiful creature, Danielle, with a haunting call. Um, that would be my favorite animal if that existed. <laughs> the Flute Wolf? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that sound amazing? <laughs> Listeners, send in a picture or a drawing of a Flute Wolf for Danielle. Oh, please do that. That would be amazing. I would treasure <laughs> that and I would we would definitely shout you out on the show if you do that. Absolutely. Also, if you feel up to it, make a whole orchestra wolf <laughs> thing, orchestra you know? Wolf. Have your cello wolf and your violin wolf and your bassoon wolf. Just make the whole thing. Is it like one of those things that's like you have all the instruments on it, you can wear it and it has like the drums and the horn and the harmonica no, and like no, all those no, things, no. It's but it's, actual it's all orchestra. coming out of a wolf? <laughs> it's not the one man band, Danielle. Okay. It's actually like a full, whatever, 100 piece orchestra, which every instrument is actually transforms into a wolf. And so there's only a concert once a month during the full moon. Ooh, it sounds like a really good children's novel. <laughs> it does. Yeah, that'd be fun. They'd yeah. be like kids in the music. Yeah, we're down for flute wolves and or any other instrumental wolves that you would like to send us. There you go. I want yes. to see those wolves. <laughs> I want to see those wolves. Them good doggies that make music. <laughs> wolves have nothing to do with this story. <laughs> we should talk about them a lot, but that's the case. <laughs> 
So Tobin does find Becky. Unfortunately, Becky is definitely dead. Well, I imagine so, because he said that was going to happen. He's not a liar, Tobin. Tobin says the field doesn't move dead things, and it makes them easier to find. And then Tobin disappears, and Travis is sad, and he falls asleep next to dead Becky. That's probably not sanitary. So bad. (laughs) I was totally freaked out by it. Not not a good idea in any context. This morning again, sad Travis wakes up, and he sees a glint of metal on Becky. And it's a necklace and he takes it with him before heading back into the field like he can't really do much about dead Becky. Nope. So he's wandering. He's looking totally dejected and tired and exhausted. So he has a woman talking outside the field and he starts yelling out to them. He's like, hey, help me, you know. How about maybe don't come in the field? Right. I'm getting there. And so the it's the woman, and she's clearly like talking to a little kid and or dog. Oh, no, it's Tobin's mom. <laughs> and she's like, don't cross the road. Look after Freddy. And a little boy calls out, and he realizes it's Tobin. And he's like, Tobin, it's me. I'm in the field with Travis. Oh, is this a whole freaking loop? <laughs> kind of. Sort of. You're almost there. <laughs> uh... So the scene then flashes to the woman and she's with a non-spooky Tobin, just a normal everyday Tobin. Oh, okay. Your normal everyday Tobin. <laughs> and he's chasing a dog into the field, which we're going to assume is Freddy the dog and or human Probably. dog. Yep. Whatever it is. And Ross is on the phone. He's making a real estate deal. That's apparently why they pulled over or something, because he's talking on the phone. Well, remember, Danielle, real estate is the game. Yes, it's majorly the game. But Tobin runs in after Freddy. Freddy runs into the field. Tobin runs in after him. And they're, so he hangs up the phone. And the two parents, like, rush in after Tobin. They're like, get out of the field. Yeah. And Travis yells, is like, don't. Don't come in here. Wait, stop. This is a bad idea because he kind of suddenly realizes that like what's going on. And they're all yelling at each other, trying to find each other, of course. And Ross is getting concerned about this random dude yelling at his son in the field, as one might. (laughs) Sure. And he's like, Tobin, if you find that guy, you run. You don't stay with him. (laughs) (laughs) And Natalie, the mom, rushes off after Tobin's voice and she's separated from Ross. So now all three of them are, of course, separated from each other. And it's now dark again, and Ross is trying to, like, pump himself up. He's worried. He can't find his kid and his wife. And he keeps repeating, the mind that's light sells right. The mind that's light sells right, like, over and over again. Because apparently that's his entire life. That's the worst mantra. <laughs> I know. It was a weird one. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what does a light mind mean, Danielle? I don't know, but that's that's what he went with as his, like, pump-up jam to himself. He's like, I can do this. I can All find right, my wife and kid. we're going to go and kid. sell some... <laughs> Houses always be light minded. <laughs> and then A B L always be light minded. A B L M. That's too many letters, Danielle. <laughs> okay. And as he's kind of doing that, like trying to psych himself up and to like keep like, keeping to look for his kids while he's super exhausted, he starts to get like angrier and angrier. And he's like, stupid kid ran to the field and his mom wasn't paying any attention. She's such a bad mom. Like she just like gets really Ugh. like worked up about it. And he hears something in the distance and steps into this clear space and it's the rock, the giant rock. Just I want to back up for just a second here, Danielle. Yeah. Ross is talking about how much his kid is angering him and how much he doesn't like his kid. I feel like we can't lose track of the point that a father-son team wrote this and they may be working through some issues. (laughs) I actually haven't thought of that, but you're right. It is... (laughs) It is a little questionable, the father-son dynamics in this story. Yeah. Come that's to think of it. Make sure we're noting that. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about that in a different light now. <laughs> yeah. The real horror is familial dysfunction. <laughs> that's entirely possible. I don't know the story behind Stephen King and his family, but... I mean, I'm sure they're all wonderful people. Well, they're working hopefully. together, so hopefully they've worked through any issues that they have, if they have yeah. any. 
Yeah. But maybe this book was helpful in that regard. Therapeutic. Yeah, you might say. And so he finds the rock, Sam. Ross finds the rock. He finds the rock. Yeah, he's amazed not by his the son, rock. But he found the rock. No, he does not find his son. He steps in and he like again, kind of drawn to it. You can tell there's they really want to touch the rock. So he slowly steps towards it and there's a lot of chanting. There's a lot of chanting. Why in this is it taking so long to touch the rock? Just touch the freaking because rock. Because it's suspense, Sam. It's a horror movie. Like the whole point is to watch him for thirty seconds as he walks towards the rock and you're like, Don't touch the rock. Oh, just touch the rock and end it yeah so he's chanting there's chanting there's grass and the chanting sounds weirdly like that that song out of chicago the musical that's like cicero Lipschitz. that one <laughs> oh, okay the, the cell block tango? <laughs> yeah, cell block tango and it's like that's what it sounds like a little bit in the background when i was listening i was like that's weird <laughs> <laughs> If he broke into a great little dance number, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. In the gra- in the tall grass, the musical. I'd watch that. I, You're turning actually, me around on this. This would not be the worst musical. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> okay. You hear... Listeners, chat- <laughs> if you write music, get your wolf orchestra to do a <laughs> musical number for In the Tall Grass. This is getting weirder and weirder. This is actually a weirder <laughs> conversation than the plot of this movie. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's to be determined, Danielle. <laughs> yeah, it's actually about to get real weird here, so we're getting there. The last end of this movie is, is wild. So you hear Tobin yelling, and Becky and Cal get out of the car again. Like, you see that whole scene kind of happen in, in faster form, and they go into the field. So again, some weird little time time loop thing. Gosh, I, I, how many times do you have to watch this? That might be the last real time that you see something like that happen. I don't know, it just seems like... You like, hey, I've seen this movie before. Oh yeah, it was twenty minutes ago. Right, it was kind of a slightly <laughs> unnecessary thing. I think they were like really driving home the idea that it's like this weird time loop scenario thing. Yeah, yeah. So back to Travis is pretty exhausted, and he hears Becky. Did like, Ross not touch the rock? You don't know. It cuts before. Come on, I think, movie. I don't think he. I think she just approaches it, and the scene cuts to Becky <sighs> and Cal like wandering into the field. I want some satisfaction. You, you will get it. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of rock touching later on in this movie. Ooh, all right. <laughs> and so Travis is wandering. He hears Becky talking. And it's the beginning of the movie where they're wandering and Cal and Becky are like talking to each other and trying to find each other. And he hears Becky and he's like, oh, my gosh, that's Becky. I thought she was dead. As you know, he would. Yeah. And so he starts calling out to them. They're like, what are you, Tra- Travis, what are you doing in the field? How did you even get here before us? Like, what? What? And then Tobin calls out and is like, he's like, Travis, I found Freddy and he's dead. And you can tell that Travis has this memory of Tobin saying, dead things stay still in the field. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, Tobin, stay with Freddy. Stay with the dead dog. We're going to come to you. And so everybody follows Tobin's voice and meets at the dead dog oh wow the dead dog is a really good yeah. i don't know lodestone or whatever a yeah. wayfinding point i feel like they should have used this concept more often but they definitely did not well how many dead things do they have well even on a dead bug or something you think would work right like <laughs> i mean they, they had a dead bird a dead dog and a dead becky well they should have just carried around the dead bird then or something well does it work if the bird is being carried by the someone who's being moved around Maybe it's still dead. I don't know. Sam, that's a great question. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> you brought this up, Danielle. This is I your know, fault. But I agree. I just think that if they just 
they could just stop and put the dead thing on the ground and then be like, okay, follow my voice. Like, clearly that Yeah, worked. they could have done that. That's absolutely true. So, anyway, they could do this later in the movie, and they don't. So they all meet up, and Travis seems oddly surprised by the pregnancy belly. And you're like, did he not know she was pregnant? Like, just is she farther along than he imagined? He's just surprised to see her pregnant. It's very unclear. But he fills them in that they've actually been gone for two months, and he's been looking for them. Ooh. Yeah, and Becky's kind of having some labor pains. and she Of keep- course. Yeah, of course, as we talked about. All horror movies with pregnant people have them trying to give birth in the fields. <laughs> <laughs> and she keeps hearing, like, the whispering grass, you know, like, just stuff in the field, and it's kind of freaking her out. She's like, I oh want to leave right now. <laughs> Is her baby going to be connected to the grass somehow? Maybe. You'll find out. Uh... Sort of. So they put Tobin up on Travis's shoulders to find the church, or at least find something, and he spots the church, and so they use him as like a directional beacon. So he's up Mm. there, and they're following the line to the church. And they talk a little bit about the baby on the way, and Travis finds out it's a girl, so it's not Tobin. I'm sorry. Oh, well. It was a nice guess. I was was so convinced that was the the way it was going to (laughs) go. And he gets to touch her belly, and he kind of like, is like, oh, that's super cool. And Cal is looking super surly, like, dude, you left him. For good reasons, get away. (laughs) (laughs) So Becky's cell phone rings and they're like, oh, that's weird. And so they answer it and it's a woman that's like screaming into the phone. And she screams, basically, don't let Cal hurt Travis or we'll keep making the same mistake over and over again and we're never going to get out. And then there's a huge long scream and the phone goes dead. Prediction. Yes. Thought you might have one. Obviously, that's her calling herself because Cal is going to do something stupid, hurt Travis and get lost in the field again. That's give or take the plot. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah, okay. Great. Not much of a prediction. It was really pretty obvious. Yeah, it was obvious where that was going. So they don't do anything with that because, like, okay, so, like, when that happens, I guess we'll try to avoid it. So they keep moving and the baby starts to cramp and she, you see, like, kind of, like, blood dripping down her leg and the grass gets very handsy, Sam. (laughs) It's, like, rolling up her legs. And you kind of see have some consent. I know. Jeez. There you see all these like flashes of of things, like the hieroglyphics and weird faces and the grass, and you see a, the fetus like inside the. the oh, sat. it's gonna be like poisoned by the spores of the grass. Yeah, or whatever. you see like the grass like moving through the fetus, kind of like in the the amniotic fluid. It's like floating around in there. And then, I know, Becky collapses. And then out of the field pops Ross. He just literally pops out of the grass and he starts doing CPR. He like jumps on her and starts doing CPR. Go Ross. Always prepared to save the day. I guess Ross is his name. CPR is his game. game. Apparently he's also a doctor. (laughs) All right. Dr. Ross, real estate gamer. Dr. Ross is in the grass. Woo woo. (laughs) Patient Dr. Ross, you have a code blue in the tall grass. So she wakes up. She's like, ah, you know, like, ah. She's like, yeah, my heart stopped, but I'm fine now. And okay. <laughs> Tobin runs towards uh, Ross and he's like, Dad. And Ross hugs him, excited to have found him. And This is non-creepy Tobin. Uh, Yes, non-creepy Tobin. Well, he's a little creepy, but he's not, like, super creepy from earlier. Okay, Like, maybe he hasn't touched the rock yet. I don't know. So he says, so Ross is like, oh, Becky's totally fine. It's just some heat stroke and some baby problems. Because, again, Dr. Ross is in the house. Baby problems. Dr. (laughs) Ross putting that degree to good work. (laughs) 
So Ross tells Tobin, he's like, your mom's out there. We're going to find her and we're going to get out. And he tells everybody, he's like, I found the road. And they ask him how he found it. And he's like, well, it's not a straight line. I'll tell you that much. That's not an answer. <laughs> It's not an answer. So much when he said that, I was like, "What?" And they're all like, "Oh, okay." I was like, what? "Doctor Ross, <laughs> Doctor Ross, real estate man is not a cartographer." <laughs> the stupidest answer to that question. I was like, "Do not go with this man who tells you that." Oh, it's just not a straight line, but we'll get there. It's fine. He clearly touched the rock. He's got rock brain. <laughs> he's got rock brain. So they're like, "Well, we were following the church," and he's like, "What church?" And he's like, "The the church that's out there." We were following. We were almost there, and they put Tobin back on their shoulders. And the church is gone. Like they can't of see it, it anywhere. Because once you take your eyes off anything, it moves. Uh huh. You're getting there. You're getting to the plot. No, Sam. I mean that was. We knew that from day one. I know. When, when Tobin's <laughs> when, like, when dead Tobin. things don't move. Yeah. <laughs> spooky Tobin told us the plot of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was not hidden. So they follow Ross, who tells them that before real estate was his game, he played a mean guitar in a gospel band. And his quote uh. is, me and my Gibson and Jesus were going to rock the world. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh. Ross. 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 Oh, Ross. I got nothing else to say to Ross, but boo. Oh, yeah. It was a good line. And then to no one's surprise, he leads them to the rock. Oh, there's a rock in this field? You didn't mention it. Giant rock. And Giant rock, right. It's very big. It's an obelisk reaching towards the sky. Ooh. Yeah. Cal's intrigued by the rock as is he's seeing it for the first time. And he like notes the hieroglyphics and Cal asks about its age. He's like, oh, this must be awfully old. And Ross is like very uh, gung-ho Wait, about it. This isn't Cal's first time seeing it, if you count the time Tobin brought him there. Right. But he's acting like it's his first time seeing it. Well, okay, I don't know if okay. he's doing it. Like, I think it's another version of Cal is probably the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got it. I just want to make sure that you didn't mean like, what's the other guy's name? Victor? Victor. <laughs> I don't know. Travis. Travis. Whatever. This would be in there somewhere. <laughs> And a T. And that's <laughs> two for two. Good job. And it an was, R. It wow. So I really liked it pretty well. I, I, I like anagrams. Say, yeah. I, get, I mean, anagrams with a few extra letters. Take a few <laughs> letters away, rearrange them, add a few, you're good. Good job, Sam. All right. So close. <laughs> you said his name like once. So. I know. That's totally fair. I mean, I'm glad. I'm impressed you just got even a couple of the letters. Better than I would do. <laughs> I can't even remember character Maybe. names when they're in the movie. <laughs> So Ross is like very gung-ho about this. He's like, I think this rock predates everything. And we're at the center of the United States right now. And it's even possible that this rock is like the center of the center of the United States. And is that true? Kansas? Is that in the United States? I I mean, Kansas is pretty center. I don't know if it's center center. All right. So Becky gets mad and tells Ross, she's like, we're not here for a sightseeing tour. And, if yeah. you, and you were supposed to show us the way out. And Ross... <laughs> Ross is like, well, I have shown you the way out. You just have to know where to look. And this rock will show you. It tells you how to get out of here. You just won't want to leave. And then he touches the rock and he's all like, woo, rock. So he just goes, yeah, rock. And we're just like watching him touch a rock. <laughs> yes. I sometimes like to imagine myself in a movie scene as the person, like not as a viewer. Right. Where there's too. no music. There's none of the sound effects, none of the enhancements. Just some, <laughs> just me standing there, watch this weird guy like fondle a rock. Yeah, he basically is like he's very evangelical about it, the way that he's like talking and they just touches the rock and you can see he's like super buzzed by touching the rock and they're all like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Cal, bless his little heart. He's like, Uh-oh. is there a map on it or something? 
because oh, he Cal. has no ability to sense danger, I guess. Cal is the dum-dum that gets everyone killed. Yeah, and then he starts to, like, reach out to touch the rock, and Ross is, like, watching him super intently, like, touch the rock, touch the rock, touch the rock. <laughs> and before touch he can rock. touch it, he's interrupted by a woman who just steps out of the grass, like an everyday woman. And it's Natalie. Is it the wife? Yeah, yeah. It's, Ross, it's Ross's wife. And Tobin's like, Mommy! And Cal pretends like he kind of is happy to see her. But Natalie tells Ross to get away from her. Like, Ross kind of, like, is like, oh, honey, you're here. And she's like, do not come near me. And then she's You rock toucher. You rock toucher, you. You cheated on me with that rock. <laughs> it's over between us. <laughs> and then she looks over and she sees Becky and she's like, oh, you're, you're, you're dead. I saw you in the field. And everybody's like, oh, excuse me? <laughs> like, okay, we have to choose between somebody who thinks that Becky's dead and a rock toucher? Like, what kind of reality is this? It's the tall grass reality, Danielle. Yeah. So they try to leave, and Cal's not having it, and he does a whole lot of proselytizing about coming to the rock on your own. Cal or Ross? Oh, sorry. Ross is not having it, and does some proselytizing about coming to the rock on your own, and opening your heart up to it, and being one with the rock. And they run, and then Cal, like, catches Natalie, and he pops her little head. What? Like... Pops it. Punches her? Nope. Pops it. He, like, puts his hands on either side of her and squeezes her juices out. Ugh. Pops her head. (laughs) Crushes it. Dandelion. Crushes her head. (laughs) Pops it. And there's a lot of chanting. Uh, and he's great. like covered in blood and is like, ah! and then everybody yells or runs into the field and Ross yells, save your breath, kids. You can't run from redemption. <laughs> <laughs> I love his lines. They just crack me up. The religious allegory is strong in this one. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty on the nose <laughs> so they run freddy the dog appears alive and oh yeah resurrection and they follow him because he like beelines through the field and they're like let's follow the dog which is not a yeah, bad sure. bad way to do it yeah, and nothing else to follow exactly the dog takes them to the abandoned bowling alley that they saw like earlier so it takes him out of the field yeah kind of so this is the part of the movie that confused me possibly the most which is saying a lot the <laughs> Abandoned bullying alley is they saw it on the road as they were passing and it's kind of inset into the field, but like I it was it just in the field? Who builds a bowling alley in the middle of a field? Did the grass grow well, up? Well it's abandoned. It? Maybe the field grew up around it. Right, but you never quite I maybe I should go back and watch the beginning of the movie just to see how the bowling alley was set up in the like if it's surrounded by grass, because this does come into play later about them having to like figure out how to leave the bowling alley without being in the grass. And you're like, is it not on the road? Because why would it be yeah. in the middle Isn't of a field? Is there a front door? Yeah, yeah, it's very odd. So they run into this bowling alley. Cal and Travis get into a ridiculously timed fight about Travis not wanting to be a dad. And I'm like, you have a murderous crazy person running after you and you're like in a magical field in a magical field and you guys are like you don't want to be a dad (laughs) no what they should be doing is having a nice game of bowling yes i know something right like if you're (laughs) gonna be that loud and obnoxious you might as well have fun while you're doing it right and travis says that nobody's ever gonna be good enough for becky and like cal's super obsessed with his sister and he needs to get over it and you know there's like a whole gross yeah underlying concept to that and ross shows up of course and of course, i can hear him yelling and bowling <laughs> yeah and he like bangs on the door and he's like redemption is at the door <laughs> i like ross you know what i would probably fall into that rock yeah, i gotta be honest he sounds just like that when he talks to sam i'm not because he's like redemption is at the door like he's just like very enthused about it 
You know what? I appreciate someone who just loves their work. It's cr- It cracks me up. And they like all run up to the rooftop because where else are they going to go? I guess there's no other exit to this bowling alley. Yes, bowling alleys are notorious for only having one door. <laughs> and Becky's having kind of some labory pains. You know, she's clutching at her stomach. And they look out and they realize the church is very nearby. They're like, oh, this is the bowling alley we saw. I saw it as we were driving past. It's close to the church. But for some what reason... What bowling alley would it be? Yeah, but, but I know. But they have to go through the field to get to the church like i don't just like again i do not understand why they can't just walk the road to the church if they need to get to the church just follow freddie to the church he'd go to the bowling alley yeah it's, it's crazy so that actually is kind of what happens so way to jump ahead sam oh i'm smart yeah. i would die <laughs> they're watching freddie he like runs across the front of the bowling alley and he disappears behind some dried grass and then pops out near the road near the church and they're like oh it's a time hole <laughs> what <laughs> I know. that's your conclusion they see Freddy do that like it's a time hole (laughs) they're like that must be a hole like through one end of this field to the other if we go through that hole we will also end up next to the church um wow seeing that happen my first conclusion would not be there's a wormhole over there behind that dead grass i mean to be fair they they know time's being played with Freddy disappears when he walks behind a little pile of grass i'm not saying they don't have cause to believe something strange is going on my first conclusion wouldn't be i'm gonna follow the dog because that's clearly gonna be safe i agree and i actually laughed when they were like oh time hole i was like what (laughs) no nonsense so they're watching freddy travis slips as he's like looking out over the roof and cal's grabbing good job travis i know and he's cal's holding him and then he just kind of gives him this really really long look music swells or whatever and he just lets go of him yeah he lets go of him travis falls cal you you dingus (laughs) you were the call on the phone told not to hurt Travis, but you did it anyway because you were a weird, creepy dude. And wants to touch the rock. So he's like the new Ross. Only less fun. <laughs> yeah, less fun. Cal's not as fun as this murderous Ross. I like Ross. Let's, let's stick with the Ross. I don't think we should, we should really should not have to replace him. Well, he's not dead yet, so give him time. Oh, yet. Good. <laughs> or maybe at all. I uh-huh, mean, nice try. everybody's time looped, so there's 20,000 versions of them anyway. Sure. Yeah. So Tobin seems to have seen what happened. Happened. It's implied that he he saw it. Becky did not see it. She's, you know, having baby issues. And they escape somehow. And Tobin runs for it once they get down on the ground. No and- kidding. Get away from that creepy murdering Travis. <laughs> yeah, she's like, he's no, like, no, uh, Calvin. And Becky calls for Travis as they run. And Cal is like, just let him go. You know, he can figure out. He knows the way out. He saw it. And uh. he's leading her to the hole. And Becky stops and, like, looks at him and is like, what did you do to Travis? <laughs> and she gets really angry at him and just runs off. And he's like, we're so close to getting out of here. Yeah, he said, you screwed it up because you didn't listen to the phone call, you moron. <laughs> I know. It's too late now. So Ross catches up with Cal, who's, like, alone now because everybody's left him. And he says to Cal, like, I know why you did that. And you were worried that you'd lose Becky and the baby would bring her and Travis together and you'd be left in the cold. And you were totally right. That's exactly what was going to happen. And I don't like I know. Calvin. And Cal runs into the field, but Ross tackles him and he's like has him on the ground. He's gone. You're wondering if you had gone left instead of right. If, you know, I would have caught you, you know, you had multiple options. You just chose the wrong one. But don't worry. It didn't matter what option you chose. They all led to me. And then you see Ross like killing Cal kind of off screen and the camera pans out and you see like 12 versions of Cal that are all in varying states of decay, like dead in the field. Oh, seems to imply no matter which way he went, he was running into Cal. Uh, Ross, you mean? Oh, yes. Why do I keep confusing them? (laughs) 
<laughs> no matter which way he went, he was running into Ross. Well, that's nice. It's nice to know that you have a future. <laughs> Meanwhile, Travis is apparently okay. You know, he steps up, brushes himself off. He's like, three stories isn't going to take me out. <laughs> Not into a nice cushion of grass. <laughs> yeah, the, the grass let him live. It caught him. And he goes back into the field. He's trying to find Becky. and he can. That's clearly the right move. Well, I know, like, I, I don't know where else they're going to go, because apparently the bowling alley's not on the road <laughs> for some bizarre reason. And they can't go to the time hole that yeah. he saw earlier. Yeah, but he wants to get Becky. So he's trying to get Becky to get back to the time hole, I would assume. Sure. So he hears Becky and they're kind of talking through the grass. Obviously, they can't find each other, but they can hear each other. And Becky is like, you know, I was going to San Diego because I was going to adopt out the baby. I was going to go meet the family. But, you know, maybe I've changed my mind. And Travis was there just kind of having a uh, meeting of the minds kind of conversation they probably should have had quite a long time ago. Yeah, probably. She's pretty sure she wants to keep her child now. And you hear her screaming suddenly shouting the same stuff you heard earlier when she screamed. She kind of like some, they Khaled heard her scream when he's about to touch the rock. And it's Ross saying, he like pops out and he's saying that this is the same place he fought Natalie earlier. So it seems fitting. Ugh. Yeah, she tries to stab him with her keys and he like knocks him out of her hand and he gets super creepy. Definitely some assaulting vibes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... Not great. I guess Ross is his name. Sexual assault is his game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And Eesh. you don't see anything, but he's definitely verbal about it and lays her down, asking her if she wants to touch the rock. He's like, I'll take you to the rock. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that rock. I know. And she sees the spilled fanny pack that she saw earlier. It was that same. It's apparently Natalie's. So that's you get the idea. And she grabs a pair of nail scissors and like stabs him in the eye. It's good for her. Ugh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of gross. Her. It's a little dark. You don't really see a whole lot. And she like runs off and you hear lots of chanting. And then as all the chanting like intensifies, <laughs> these grass people, they have like grass swirly faces and they're like, I don't know, tribal grassware. <laughs> so wait, they're people literally made of grass. They're like. Yeah, they're like they have human structure and you can see skin, but the grass is all wrapped around their arms and they have like grass spirally faces, like their faces are entirely made of grass and they're grass type clothing. I don't know, like they're just like looks like the grass is like coming out so of their body. So they're wear grass. They're wearing grass. <laughs> no, they're grass. wear grass. Yes, they're wear grasses. Yes, okay, wear grasses, got it. <laughs> so the wear grasses come out of the field and circle her and it starts to rain, of course. And Why would it not rain? Yeah, of course. So they like circle her and they rise her. They she like crowd surfs. They lift her up above them. There's just like hundreds Ooh, of them. Fun. Yeah, it's actually a very cool shot. They do like an aerial overhead and she's crowd surfing. She's like holding her belly. They're crowd surfing through the the field. There's hundreds of arms like pushing her along, and all the grass is like spookily moving with them. You know, like Ooh. pulsing in time. It's actually pretty cool. And they carry her to the to the rock. Oh, of course. It all <laughs> comes back to the rock. I mean, obviously, we have a giant rock in the middle of the field that everybody wants to touch. Then clearly, it Wouldn't all it be better the if rock. the movie just, like, ended with her never touching the rock or anyone else and the rock just sort of didn't play a part and just Ross was just some weird dude who loved that rock? You know what? That's not uh, exactly not how the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's, uh -oh. it's quite the thing. So at the rock, she's like lying in the mud at kind of the the close to the foot of the rock, you know, six feet away from it, and she's like screaming. And she starts to give birth, 
and they show all the hieroglyphics, which suggests like there's obviously some kind of like ritual. There's a baby in the hieroglyphics. There's like stabbing yeah, of, of course, the child or something, of... and there's just like a like some kind of demonic woo woo, you know, giving the birth to further the population. I don't know. So <laughs> okay. it's obviously foretold that there was going to be a baby at this rock. Yeah, yeah, it was all prophesized. Yeah, Got it. Sacrificial baby, and th- then as she's trying to give birth, a whole big hole eight feet across opens up at her feet and the camera travels down it and you see like bodies writhing like blackened bodies like with dirt covering them all like mud and they're all like writhing inside it and it reminded me so strongly of labyrinth with the helping hands you know that the hole the obelisk thing where they like all the hands help them down it looked exactly like that so i didn't find it as creepy as i think it was supposed to be so a literal hole open it's not just a camera trick no it's like a huge hole in the ground and then the camera like zooms into it and all the bodies are like writhing along the side and you can like i i don't know what i don't know what it was supposed to be sam i don't know i was even asking danielle you just preemptively are going i don't know what's going on i didn't know what's going on i was like why I was like, okay, maybe the baby's going to, like, go into the hole, and maybe I missed something. She's going to, like, pop it out straight into the hole? Yeah, like, it was like, at the... score like, a goal It was at basket. her feet. Like, she's, like, giving birth on the ground by herself, and there's just a hole that opens up at her feet, a huge gaping hole. And I was like, does the baby go into the hole? <laughs> like, I mean, they usually come out of a hole. Yeah, ha, 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 ha. You're funny. No, that's just facts, Danielle. <laughs> so, all that happens, and she passes out. And she kind of wakes up to, like, that blurry vision thing that cameras like to do. Mm. And you see either Cal or Ross. It kind of fades between the two faces. She's like, baby, baby. And he picks up this tiny little six-month-old baby wrapped in swaddling. I don't know where the swaddling came from. And kind of holds it The grass it up. provides <laughs> it, it might be actually. It could 100% be wrapped in grass. And it's just hard to tell <laughs> in the dark. He kind of holds it up. And she's like, oh, good, the baby. And then he, like, feeds her. And she's eating. And then, like, she's still laying on the ground, like, totally out of it. And but what's she, he feed her? Exactly. She goes, what am I eating? Like, halfway through eating it. She's like, he, he goes, you're eating the grass. <laughs> and she just kind of keeps eating it. It doesn't freak her out, probably because she's like super exhausted from giving birth next to a supernatural I think I still question that. <laughs> I think she's just like completely out of it. And you can see that it's actually like bloody. It's not it's not grass like whatever it is. And she's like Is she feeding him the baby? I don't know. So it's like she's like are you sure this is grass? And he's like it's you. And I was like what does that mean? <laughs> Is this movie's trying very hard to be like weird. Yeah, that's what I say. It's the, it's the baby or something. No, and I don't. You don't know. Like you don't really like. You don't know what happens to the baby. <laughs> there are no answers to this question, Sam. What? Yeah, I'm not joking. So when she wakes, or she doesn't really wake up. So the next scene is Travis fighting Becky, like on the ground. You don't know if she's alive or dead or whatever. But the baby's not there, and he's like, you know, sobbing. He's like, oh no, Becky's possibly dead, and the baby's gone. And then Tobin shows up, and he's like, my daddy killed the baby, and I found Cal, and he's dead, and my daddy killed Cal too. Too, and we're never gonna get out of the field and it's never gonna stop and we're just gonna keep getting killed over and over and over again you're like okay Tobin, <laughs> you know what's going on the most of everyone here but oh. also shut the heck up he knows everything it's so funny so travis hugs him and he's like we are not gonna let ross hurt you and then of course ross shows up in the field of course yeah so they get into a big fight where ross grabs like a femur 
from the ground. Like, he just sticks his hand in the mud and pulls out a bone. <laughs> like you do. That's where bones live, Danielle. Yeah. Don't you know that? Apparently where they keep all of their sacrificial bones. And he pulls, like, the big femur out and starts to like go to town on on travis and kind of beats travis up and ross tries to get tobin to touch the rock <laughs> of course that rock man why won't someone just touch the rock and trust ross i know it's like his whole role in the movie's like touch the rock man don't you want to touch the rock come Someone's on gotta touch that freaking touch rock danielle rock. come on cal touch the rock becky touch the rock and he is trying to convince him. Tobin's like, I don't, I don't want to touch the rock. And then apparently Becky's alive because she like jumps on him and takes him down. And Travis then gets up from his prone position, you know, and gets a hold of Ross and then starts to like slam his head into the rock. <laughs> oh, well, touch that rock with your face. <laughs> oh, that would have been a good line. I wish he had been like, touch the rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. well they didn't have to punch up the script danielle <laughs> yeah then he rips some grass up from the ground because it's just kind of along the edges of it once they fall back and he strangles him and there's a lot of chanting so he kills him with the grass oh yeah as how he, fitting as he's killing him he's like we're not coming back here again and then after ross dies so ross is dead and travis walks over it's like Tobin's like, don't touch the rock, man. And Travis like, no, I'm doing it. And he like puts his hand on the rock. I was not the one I was going to expect to touch the rock. I was going yeah. to, I was expecting Calvin. I was also surprised. I was like, Travis, what are you doing? Why did Travis become a dumb dumb? <laughs> okay, wait for it. So he touches the rock. He clearly has some kind of like cosmic experience with the rock. And he immediately grabs Tobin's hand and starts running through the field. And Tobin's like, oh, what are you doing? And what about Becky? Uh, Becky, it, I think is dead <laughs> what? i don't i don't she know she gets the, didn't she, she beat up ross well she didn't really beat him up she like jumped on him he kind of like pushes her off and perhaps she died in the struggle because she's not capable of like going anywhere if she's alive she's just i think she's like dying and or dead okay it's implied that she's just like i maybe there was a scene i'm forgetting that she's like dead dead but she's not like in a state where she can go anywhere and so he grabs Tobin's hand, he's running through the field, he races him to the edge of the field, because the rock can tell you how to get out of the field, like, they know how to get out of sure. the field, they just don't want to leave the field. So he gets Tobin to the end, and you can tell he's, like, kind of keep his sanity about him, and he presses Becky's necklace that he took off her dead body earlier, and he presses it into Tobin's hands, and he's like, they don't belong here, Becky doesn't belong here, you don't belong here, do not let them into the field. And he pushes him into the road, only Tobin's not in the road, he's behind the black door at the church. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's locked from the inside. There's nothing in there. It's just a room. It's locked from the inside. Like Tobin's kind of wary. He goes up. He unlocks the door. He looks. It's just the church with the pews. Kind of a small church. He like warily walks outside and looks. It's all bright and sunny. And the scene in front of him is Becky and Cal like having their conversation about whether or not they should continue to San Diego and you hear Tobin yelling from the field. He's like, help me, come back, I can't get to the road. And oh, no. Yeah, and Tobin runs up. They're like trying to, well, they're walking towards the field and Tobin runs up, the other Tobin, and he's like, don't listen to him. And they're like super confused. They're like, okay, yeah. okay kid. And Tobin gives her the necklace that Travis gave her. He's like, Travis gave this to me. You cannot go into the field. Just like, you will die. Do not go in the field. And 
Becky. They go in the field anyway. No, Cal kind of like goes towards it and Becky's like, no, like this, this isn't, something's wrong. Like, let's just go back. No kidding. <laughs> like, go, let's go back to Topeka to the police station. We'll get help for this kid. And like, we can tell them there's somebody in the field. Like, obviously something's going on. I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable. So they get back into the car and they drive off. And then the camera pans to Travis, still standing kind of like on the edge of the field, just inside. And he's smiling as he hears them like drive off and then he collapses in the field and the grass surrounds him. That's the end of the movie. Uh, eh, no. <laughs> no, that's not the end of the movie. No. I mean, it is the end of the movie, but also like that's not an ending. <laughs> that, uh, that's the ending they chose. All right, maybe the novella makes it more clear just what the heck's going on, but that was a whole bunch of nonsense that was never explained. It's like, it's very obvious that they're like, let's just have creepy grass people because that's spooky. Let's have a creepy rock. Let's have weird time things we'll never explain. Like, never the explained. Whole point, the time is never explained. I'm not saying that like a horror movie or a sci-fi, whatever movie has to explain everything to a T, but like, it's not scary if it just doesn't mean anything, if it's like meaningless, if it's, if it's nonsense. Yeah, what bugged me most about this the ending of this is that the scene where she gets the phone call from herself. I actually yeah. skipped over that, but there is a scene where you see her make the phone call to herself, which I should have mentioned because that's bananas. How do you make a phone call to yourself in the past you, future? You dial your own number? Yeah, like I was just like, what? <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to tell you that. No, no, that is, yeah, no. Th- there are some really cool ideas here about like a carnivorous field, some weird time space anomaly thing but they're all just sort of ignored in favor of like weird spooky stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the central conceit yeah as soon as they had like grass people stepping out of the grass i was like wait why what <laughs> what, like, what are yeah, they no. yeah no no they try so hard it was doing so well like if i i need it was some kind of like it doesn't need to explain, like, maybe it was some weird, you know, demon site or uh, just a vicious, you know, cryptozoological plant thing. Like, you didn't need to just make it complete nonsense. I agree. And to follow up with the phone call, the, the thing that bothered me most about the time is not that there was, like, little time loops or jumps or whatever. I think that's, that's an fine, interesting yeah. premise. Yeah. But so they get the phone call. They know that they're stuck in some kind of loop or they're getting the idea that that's, like, ongoing. You know, they're never going to get out of it. They know that Cal can't hurt Travis, but then Cal does hurt Travis. It does happen. And so once that – I knew that was going to happen because, you know, that plot-wise, Duh, that made sense. Horror movie, yeah. But I thought at some point you would see it repeated – And they would, like, avoid that and it would somehow play into it because why have a phone call from your future self saying, don't let that happen or you'll be stuck here forever. And then it happens and there's... That's a good point. Like, like, that never actually matters. Like, they never actually use their knowledge of the time loop to alter anything. Yeah, it was super strange. I was... When it didn't happen again, I was like, did they cut a scene out? (laughs) That's a good point because, like, the the whole interesting part of a time loop thing is that you can find a way to manipulate the loop. Right. And they don't do that. They just sort of, like, there's, again, this goes back to the point where the rules of the universe here are not really explained. No. And you're just assuming the grass is somehow telling them enough information. Like, how does Travis know when he pushes Tobin out that he's going to end up right when they're going into the field to stop them? How come it's not three weeks earlier or day after? Like, how? Well, he touched the magic rock. Yeah, that's fine. that's what you're assuming the rock's telling them all is these things. So I really wanted to like the movie. And I liked the first half because it built up an interesting concept. Yeah, it's just, it like just doesn't capitalize on that. <laughs> All right, Danielle. So this movie is weird, but 
how many spooks would you give it? How many how many grass blades out of ten? <laughs> grass blades out of ten. Um, I wondered where you. How many with that. weird handsy grass blades out of ten? <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of spooky quality, let's see. Well, I had that one really good jump scare. That you missed when you went to the bathroom. Yeah, well, this is the first time. The second time, I definitely <laughs> okay. jumped in my chair. And, oh, gosh. Wait, I got a question about that. Did that person ever come back? No, I think, okay, so that was the scene, that was when she screams and Cal, like, turns away from the the rock uh-huh. to go find her. And then later, you see that it's actually Ross that was the one that was trying to murder her by the fanny pack. Okay. It's the same so you think scene. That was Ross poking his head yeah, out. Yeah, but it did not look like Ross in the first one. It looked like like a woman, maybe like well, a. Well, you can't tell if it's Ross. He's not saying touch the rock. <laughs> yeah, that's the only indicator if something's Ross or not. Yes, of course. So anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> How okay. many spooky grass blades is this? Handy grass blades. We're gonna say. Yeah, handy grass blades. Let's see. It was very atmospheric and definitely weird. I'm gonna say like five and a half. Um. Maybe oh, not. I don't want to say six. It just was not that scary. But five and, five a, half, and a half. That's fine. Yeah. Five and a half. Handsy grass, grass blades. blades. Spooky handsy. Spooky handsy grass blades. That's hard five. to say. <laughs> That's five times fast. Spooky handsy grass blades. Spooky handsy. Yeah. Grass all right. Blades. No, don't actually say that. We don't got time for that. <laughs> so that's all right. That's well, my there suggestion. you have it. Five and a half. Spooky handsy grass blades. Good job. It's a movie. <laughs> It's a movie. It exists. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> like most of our media, it does exist. Mm. <laughs> I, I wonder if people think we're making some of this up. <laughs> it's possible. I have some future installments in mind that people are not going to believe exist. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's that's a little disappointing, but we did get a few <laughs> good things out of it. We got wear grass, so that's a thing. Touch the rock. We got... Flute wolves. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the best part of this whole thing. And we got Ross, who's probably my new favorite person. I want to see him on, like, the 700 Club or something, like, proselytizing to, like, a mega church. Yeah. He's the actor that I've seen before. There was one of those actors that kind of all looked vaguely familiar, but I wasn't 100% sure where I'd seen them. He was the one where, like, I've definitely seen him in other things. Yeah. I want to see him preaching about the rock, the love of the rock. And the church, I don't remember the exact name of the church. I meant to write it down, but the church has rock in the title. It's like... The Rock of Gibraltar or something. Yeah, like that or something. Like, it's obviously... And it's just a passing camera thing. Like, I didn't even see it till the second time through. It's just as they were like pulling into the parking lot or something you kind of see the camera pass over it so obviously there's some like tie-in to the abandoned church and the obviously with going through the back door of the church and ending up there's behind just that. so much that's left on like not even unexplained but just not even brought into any of the other plot yeah and i wanted to know i was like well what does the church have to do with it and why are there weird people in the fields and like how do they break out of the time loop and why did the phone call happen <laughs> like i wanted why to was know there i was invested a, uh giant hole with weird bodies yeah, and what the what, baby what being the grass baby? inside of it have to do with anything does it like is the rock satisfied now because it did get its baby sacrifice in this round <laughs> and there's a question i have on all of these sort of time travel movies. i know this is an inherent problem for any movie that deals with some kind of weird time shenanigans but now that they are not going to the grass and the baby isn't going to be born in the grass does that like mean the baby never got like does that negate the whole movie 
I don't know. And the field is still alive and kicking. So, you know, yeah. the 20 cars that are in the, the parking lot of the church, like, there's going to be 21 soon and then 22. And pretty soon the entire parking lot's going to be filled. I, I can only <laughs> assume there's other people. We never see anyone else but these people, right? But we have to assume those are the cars for other people who got lost and hopefully touched the rock. Yeah, it seemed to be just the way they talked about it sounded like it happened quite frequently enough. And uh, all those bodies underneath when the, the ground opened yeah, up yeah. kind of assumes that, like, oh, there's been lots and lots of people who have died. Well, Danielle, it was a interesting movie with a squandered premise. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but great and weird. <laughs> oh no, I will, I will always treasure Ross and his <laughs> message of "Touch the Rock." Touch the Rock. Touch the Rock. Redemption is at your door. <laughs> Redemption's at your door. Just touch my rock. <laughs> touch I just said, "Touch the Rock." Do you want to touch the rock? Let's touch the rock. <laughs> just touch the rock. I mean, That's what's the big deal? It's just a rock. Just touch the rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's better if you come to the rock on your own. I would watch a movie that's just him telling you to touch the rock for an hour. Yeah, and my the, the, my favorite line from earlier um, is even funnier when you have the rock concept because me and my Gibson and Jesus were going to rock the world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, man. Can't do better than that. Yep. All right. So we have a lot of stuff we need to hear from our listeners from for this episode. We need to hear from them, A, can they shed any light? If you've read the novella and it explains any of this, <laughs> please let us know. Because I could read the novella myself, but, you know, let's just see if it's worth it first. Yeah, it's possible I just missed some subtleties that were, were explained and I just just didn't get them. So, yeah, if you guys have further further Insights. introspection yeah, into the, the plot of this and why things happen, please let us know. And also, much more importantly, we need your artistic renderings of where instruments... <laughs> wear instruments please do um, i'm sorry i'm sorry sorry not wear instruments instrument wolves <laughs> instrument wolves um, very different things a flute flute wolf flute wolf cello wolf whatever glockenspiel wolf <laughs> go nuts and we would love that you can message those to us at anything instagram facebook twitter at book retort or through our website bookretorts.com but until next week where we explore our final installment to spooky media don't get too scared out there <laughs> uh stay spooked <laughs> Stay spooked. <laughs> Stay spooked. All right, all right, whatever. Bye. Bye. Take care, everybody. And I talked about Great British Bake Off, so got my oh, plug in. Well, that's <laughs> the greatest way to get a job. Kind of is. <laughs> it's not, if, and if they don't like it, then you know you don't want to work there, right? I mean, that's valid. That's my <laughs> litmus test for all the people in my life. Do you like the Great British Bake Off? No? Well, we can no longer be friends. <laughs> is that why we've remained friends?